Welcome to the Just Off Glen podcast with your host, Christy Alexander, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and change makers. Just Off Glen. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Just Off Glen podcast. I'm your host, Christy Alexander, founder of WorkSmart Coworking and Meeting Space here in downtown Glens Falls. We offer a combination of shared workspaces, private offices, and meeting spaces, along with an inspiring community of professionals to help you grow your business. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by David Dammerman. David mentors and invests in startup businesses. He has launched the Grove Venture Lab here in Glens Falls, a nonprofit to provide the business education, mentorship, and expertise to entrepreneurs in the Glens Falls and Lake George region. And I'd like to talk more about that with you on a future episode of the podcast, David. I'd be happy to. That'd be great. Awesome. But on this episode of the podcast, we're sharing three recommendations for summer reading to help you boost your personal and professional success. So thank you for being here. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about um, three of the books that uh, both you and I have read and to kind of break it down for our listeners and um, share with them what they can expect, but also... uh, you know, why we feel like these are great summer reads for them. Let's start with um, the book that seems to be taking um, at least the co-working industry by storm, and that's Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gudera, and uh, very popular within the industry. And we've also heard of a couple of other small business owners who've picked up the book. Right, and it's not not just for what we would traditionally call hospitality-based businesses. It's for right. it's for all of us. Right. Let's start uh, by talking about what did you like about the book? Well, first, the, the surprise. What, what a great bunch of stories about how these, these incredible people make their customers really, really happy and how much joy they took in that to make what was a ho-hum restaurant in New York City the very best in the world. It's a great bunch of stories that inspire uh, absolute excellence. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I should give a little bit of context for our listeners. So Will Gadara is the previous co-owner of 11 Madison Park, a restaurant in New York City. And the restaurant was voted uh, one of the world's, was voted the world's best restaurant in 2017. So um, this book talks a little bit about how Gadara pulled off the unprecedented transformation um, through radical reinvention, a true partnership between the kitchen and the dining room, and a me- memorable, over-the-top, bespoke hospitality. So there's a lot to unpack here because there are a lot of things that uh, really inspired me about the book, and one of them I'll just start off with the fact that... Um, he he wasn't just focused, Will wasn't just focused on providing that unreasonable hospitality to his customers. He was focused on um, delivering unreasonable hospitality to his staff and focused on showing and demonstrating for them how to go about doing that with each other as well. Yeah, it was a great, a great kind of byproduct of the hospitality he was showing to customers. You know, you made the point that um, business owners, business owners in all sorts of industries really should pick up the book. And I think um, 
you know, even people who don't have direct contact with the client, with the customer, because I think there's a lot to learn about uh, leadership and how to build an amazing team. Yeah. And I've heard, uh, I've already heard stories about uh, business, a specific business here in, in uh, Glens Falls, who I, I'm, I'm not sure they knew they were delivering un- unreasonable hospitality, but had picked up this book and realized that some of the things they did were, were the things that really delighted their customers and really set them apart. So a, a typical kind of, you know, uh, a, a landscaping business, uh, a lawn care company, also called the lawn care company here in, in Glens Falls. Yeah, shout out. Um, doing doing simple things that took them almost no money, right? Very mm-hmm. little effort, but were just those little touches that made, you know, delighted their customers. So you win a customer for life with a, just a small gesture. So I, I think it would be fun to share a couple of examples, if you don't mind, of those small gestures just so that our listeners can get an idea about how these are just, these are little things that don't cost you a lot of money. They don't cost you a lot of time and energy, but they have big impact on your customer. Yeah. Well, if, if I share, if I share the lawn care companies, uh, a quick little story, they routinely have to mow around people's garbage cans. And on garbage day, those cans are sitting at the end of the driveway. Um, so once they're finished mowing and weed whacking behind those garbage cans, they bring them back from the, from the end of the driveway. And it's just, it takes two minutes. Mm-hmm. It takes two minutes to bring that can back and no effort, no money to do something they were, they were basically already doing. It's a simple thing, mm-hmm. right? And that's... One of the things that was was maybe difficult about the book was listening to these people providing incredibly top-notch service, over-the-top hospitality um, to customers who were paying them three hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars a person. Right. Right. You, you have plenty of budget to provide plenty sure. of hospitality. Right. right, not just budget, but the support staff right. too. Because I think you know a lot of our businesses, a lot of the people that we come into contact with, they're a team of one. <laughs> right. Well, how do you, so? How do you take these ideas and and put them into action in our in our own businesses and our right. own lives when we don't have that kind of budget? I mean, if you get the opportunity, go check out uh, Will Will Gadara giving a TED talk about how the idea of serving a simple $2 hot dog to people paying hundreds of dollars a plate for dinner uh, kind of led to this idea of unreasonable hospitality. I think when you when you talk about that, it's like hot dog, what are you talking about? And so if you step back, how did how did that hot dog come about? And it was the result of listening, right? which doesn't cost us anything. Stop, slow down, listen to your customer. And it's interesting, um, you know, being connected with the co-working community internationally. You know, we read this book together. You know, one thing we kept coming back to is the idea of stopping listening to what your customer wants. And when you're in the early stages of building a business, listening is key anyways, to know 
you know, which direction to go in as you're building your business, but it informs you who you're serving and what their needs are and how to be able to provide that kind of unreasonable hospitality that is going to keep the customer coming back. Yeah, well, and think of all the ways that companies around us don't listen, right? They could listen and they don't. So, you know, he brings up an example of a realtor. And in, in that process, you spend a lot of quality time with a person. Right. And boy, couldn't you listen just a little bit to leave a meaningful gift in a brand new home? He also talks about um, banks who, while they aren't you know, tra- traditionally listening to us, mm-hmm. they have a ton of information about how we're spending our money, what we might be spending it on, and have the ability to, if they wanted to, listen and use that to provide us with some, with some, you know, joyous experiences. He talks about um, banks routinely charge us to close out, uh, you know, maybe a deceased parent's account. Is that really the time to charge somebody? I mean, I, I get right. it. It's effort on the bank's part. Sure. But can't you listen a little bit? Right. <laughs> Have a little that's empathy, a point. right? Yeah, and, and that's you, an excellent point because I'm sure there are other ways that you can make up that that money, right. that fee. Right. And he, he says it's not rocket science. It's just caring a little right. more. One of my favorite quotes uh, for that for this book, services, black and white, hospitality is color. Yeah. I mean, you're taking these very ordinary things that we do every day and turning them into extraordinary experiences that build customers for life. It brings to mind just another local business, O'Brien Insurance Agency. Um, And I remember back when uh, I first met with him, and he actually offered to sit down and go through the policy with me. He asserted, I bet that there are things that you're paying for that Maybe you really don't need. Um, But also, let's take a look at your coverage and make sure you have what you do need. And to me, uh, I just thought no one's ever said that to me. No one's ever approached me with that opportunity before. And um, you know what? I would like to know. So I would like to take a few minutes. And he sat with me, and it was really neat because we got to know each other. He made the time to listen and to know what I need and what I might want to consider. Jeremy Deason is our agent for WorkSmart at Associates at Glens Falls, and he's done the same thing. In fact, he makes time to walk across the street and personally pop his head in and say, how are things going? And, hey, uh, things are renewing. Let's sit down and talk about it, so I want to make sure you don't have any questions. Well, and, and think about Jeremy popping his head in. He's walking by your front door anyway. Yeah. Right. It takes him very little effort, um, but it does take some thought. And so a lot of this, uh, a lot of this book is really just keeping that hospitality mindset front and center. Right. Right. Uh, What else did you like about the book? He talked a little bit about um, finding creativity and inspiration in unlikely places. In his case, it was jazz, right? The Mm -hmm. jazz of Miles Davis. He said, I want to be, I want us to be more like Miles Davis. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
go figure. But but to look for look for ideas in unlikely places, and it and it can inspire creativity. You know, one thing that was interesting um, as I continued to read the book through the chapters, my opinion of the book did change. And let me just explain why. I really um, did not have any idea of the mindset of the person who is working to achieve three Michelin stars. I've never worked in the restaurant industry. I shouldn't say that. Years ago at Howard Johnson's, I did. I was very young then. And they don't have three Michelin stars? don't they're not in business so that answers that question and they were not trying to pursue michelin stars but through the process of reading the book i was better to able i was able to better understand who will is and will's mindset and what he's trying to achieve and um, confession, I did watch a show on Netflix um, that was very similar to the, the restaurant industry. I just had no idea the level of intensity involved in running that caliber of a restaurant. An insane level of perfection in yeah. absolutely everything. Yeah. And I come from a world here where we're surrounded by, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners who... Uh, They've, they've got a lot of drive, right? We have a lot of drive. We have um, high standards for ourselves. We want to deliver um, an amazing product, an amazing service, an amazing experience to our customers. Um, but we have to be careful not to burn out in the process. So initially when reading the book, um, and I don't want to give any anything away, but there was this one part in the book where he talked about um, the delivery of this meal and, you know, all the different steps right down from placing the uh, decorative, the ornamental flower on top of the meal, having it delivered by the waiter to the customer where the waiter sets it on the table and the flower tips a little to the side. Oh, no. <laughs> Doesn't sound like such a tragedy to me, but well, and but if you're reading the book, it was like the execution was not 100 percent perfect, and it was really at that point where I kind of said to myself, "I don't think this book is for me because I cannot attain that level of perfectionism and stay up at night worrying about little details like that." But he does. That's him. That's his makeup, and. Understanding the industry more, I was able to really understand his mindset and say, okay, all right, now I get where you're coming from. But I did have that kind of idea where I was like, I'm not sure if this is the book for me because I can't subscribe to that level of intensity, that level of perfectionism as a business owner. I just fear the burnout is on the other side of that. So um, what about for you? Did your opinion of the book change as you were going through it all? He talked about the the joy of providing incredible hospitality right. and the joy and the energy that his team got from giving these gifts to customers. You know, the, the hospitality being the gift, um, providing gifts to customers that 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 they'll remember forever, and um, and just the, the energy that that brought to his organization and the 
the way it really um, brought the team together with a common mission. And, and in the service of their customers, the goal was a Michelin, a third Michelin star, mm-hmm. but, and to be the best restaurant in the world. But the goal was achieved through absolute delight of their customers. Oh, customers. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun to, to, um, you know, hear, cause I listened to it on tape, but to hear him talk about that and that contagious energy. And you do feel it when, you know, when you're delivering that face to face, um, a high level of hospitality and your customer lights up. And then he, he reads the book too. He narrates it himself. And yeah. So that, that right. adds to a lot of it too. It really does. Yeah. yeah. To hear it in his own voice. Next uh, recommendation. Um, I really like this book, Business Made Simple by Donald Miller, the author of the Wall Street Journal, number one bestseller, Building a Story Brand, um, which you've also read. Yeah, sure. But we're going to focus on business made simple. 60 Days to Master Leadership, Sales, Marketing, Execution, Management, Personal Productivity, and more. Business Made Simple will teach you everything you need to know to grow a business and become a more confident professional in just 60 days. For me, the 60-day, the idea of the just 60 days, I like that because it tells me you know, there's an end point to this. And the way that he goes about achieving that is there's an expectation that you'll read a chapter a day and you sign up to receive the email for that chapter. And I love that accountability built into reading this book. Right. So it's just, it takes a little bit of discipline, but not a lot of time each day. Right. Right. So each chapter is is bite-sized, digestible, and you get the reinforcement. And so th- it's just a great way to learn some of these concepts. And, and, and Business Made Simple, it, it's, um, it's got a lot of uh, great lessons that, that are, you know, they may be simple, but nobody said it was easy. Right. right? <laughs> so <laughs> Let's not confuse the two. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, the, the thing here is, you know, I love your, your thought that there's an end to this, that, that you can digest this and, and have uh, an end to this process. It's not that you'll know everything there is to know about business. That, that's, right. that's kind of an, maybe an overstatement. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, you know, you don't have to know absolutely everything to, in order to run a business. Right. You know, you've got your passion for what you do. You know a lot about what you do, but it's great to have kind of a, an 80 to 90% understanding of how to do so much of the rest of it. Right. And so this is a little different than Will Gadara's approach uh, on, in unreasonable hospitality in that let's just get most of the way there because heck most of the way there is a lot further than most of us are to start with. Right. If, if we had to be perfect in every topic, we'd never get anything done. Right. Right. Possible. Yeah. So this, this is kind of encouraging. You don't have to be perfect, but you can be really smart about a lot of stuff and get your business to grow. Focus on the important things and not everything has to be 100%. Right. Let's make this into something rather than let's make it perfect before we launch. Right, right. right. 
Um, and I love that uh, at the end of each chapter, you get uh, kind of your, your action step. And there's different portions that you can fill out, um, kind of a framework that uh, this book walks you through. At the end here, it's here's today's business made simple tip of the day. I love that. In the email, he includes a video. So it's him talking to you. It's a recap of what you just read and a slightly different presentation. But I think that's really neat because it connects you with the author. Mm -hmm. I also really enjoyed that the way he takes the different aspects of building a business and breaks it down. It really helps you to understand where your own strengths and weaknesses lie. Sure. And then where you need to fill out your team. Right. Right. So as you, when you're, when you're a solopreneur, when you're just starting out and it's just you and you have to do everything, well, this, this gets you a good part of the way there, but, but then what's the first role I need to hire for? That's a huge, important decision. And this really kind of helps you, helps you identify some of those strengths and some of those weaknesses. Right. You know, similar to unreasonable hospitality, Donald Miller has an incredible focus on the customer. Right. Right. So he's always encouraging us to think about how we make our customers' lives better. Mm-hmm. How, you know, and, and when you're um, a manager or a team leader, how do I make my employees' life better? How do I help them survive and thrive? And if I'm an employee, I need to be thinking about how I make my boss more money. Mm-hmm. And we all need to be thinking about how we make our customers' lives better. You know, one of the things I wrote down that, that I really kind of liked is he says, when you believe in your product and you absolutely know it's going to make your customer's life better, it's, abs- it's actually your responsibility to go ask them to buy what you have to offer. Right. And that is interesting to me because, you know, sales was always always seems to be particularly for maybe a technical type founder somebody who's very skilled at what you know the technical aspect of what they're offering asking for the sale is hard but if you really believe in what you're offering it's it's, it's your responsibility to go ask for the sale we always feel kind of um it can be icky for icky, sure icky for yeah sure. that's a good word but if you see it as you're really doing it for them you have a solution to help them you, you know? know and and i think that when you can Flip it around and you can understand that and you can view it through that lens. That makes it easier to, to let people know, I have a solution. You don't have to work from home and feel isolated and feel unproductive and continue to get passed over for every promotion because your chief clothes folder and laundry doer and dish doer in the house because those stinking distractions keep plummeting your career, right? I have a solution. You can focus on your personal growth, your professional growth. You can focus on growing your business in a dedicated space that takes you outside of your home that, you know, with the purpose and the intention of being here to do that, to grow your business. You know, there's no expectation you're going to have to wash dishes, do laundry, 
Um, and you won't have to continuously explain to your neighbors, I can't visit because this is my work time. Why right? not? You're home. Aren't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> I have a solution right. and I want people to know that there is a solution. And, you know, I mean, I mean, there's no end to the conversation about loneliness and isolation and what's happened to our world since everybody's gone to home and working from home and it's um you know the distractions are one thing but the loneliness and the isolation and then we're it's really impacting well-being and again we've got the solution here there's people here not necessarily people that you have to interact with but people that you can interact with smile and say good morning to you know and when you look at it from that perspective it makes it really easy to talk about your solution and how you're helping people be successful or changing lives or, you know, making people's lives easier with whatever your product or service is. Yeah, well, well, you know, D- Donald Miller started out with this idea of story brand, basing your marketing on story and, you know, viewing your customer as a hero, right? He starts with that as a principle, And then, you know, that's kind of how he executes all of this. He goes from marketing to a broader business context, but he bases it all on principles. Mm -hmm. And what I find really useful about that is, you know, the, the way Google, you know, looks at your website today or the way you interact with people on Instagram today, those things are all going to change. They're probably different tomorrow, but the principles aren't, aren't changing. Right. You know, the, the other thing that, that while we call it business made simple, I want to make sure that people understand it's not just business, you know, business as we think about it made simple. You got to think of not-for-profits as well. Right. And I think it's really, you know, there, I can easily think of a couple right off the top of my head and won't call anybody out, but I, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I can think of a couple of non-for-profits that could use some business-made simple, uh, you know, just basic knowledge, right? That's a good point. The thing is, there's there's such a, an opportunity, and, and maybe even the shame of it is there's a lost opportunity to have a much greater impact on more lives, right, as those non-for-profits. Right. Right? So um, in, increase your impact. And, and increase your success means you can serve more. Right. So that's where these um, foundational principle, principles, excuse me, really become critical. It becomes critical that you know this information and you're able to implement what you know and, and make a bigger impact. So you take these principles and you apply them to um, not just your first hire, but recruiting a team. How do you how do you get people to come on this journey with you? This entrepreneurial journey or this nonprofit journey isn't easy, right? You're doing it for usually you start with a passion of some sort, and you don't realize how silly hard it's going to be, right? Right. So, you, but how do you how do you how do you get people to join you on on that silly hard voyage, right? So, um, using these principles to recruit a team, to inspire a team, to keep a team on track. Um, you know, it's all simple, you know, a lot of it comes down to communication and how you communicate and it's not, it's not hard, but if you don't keep it 
at the forefront of your mind, mm-hmm. um, our emotions can take us away and keep, keep us from serving in the way we were really wanted to serve the world. Sure. Yeah. You know, I also think of um, different individuals who have just kind of moved up into different positions uh, in leadership positions within their company. Um, I th- I would recommend that they pick up this book. It's a great refresher. And I think uh, especially for somebody who is maybe in a leadership position, top of the company, there there are some good pieces of information in here that I think would really help inform their decisions as a leader. Yeah, I, I would say it's great for the leader. But, you know, somebody starting out in their career, the, the questions are the same. Right. And the communication principles are the same. Right. You know what? I forget I did reach out to some of my previous professors and recommended that they add the book or even just uh, consider recommending that the students read the book. And one of the reasons why, you know, not maybe not to replace any of their current curriculum, but I like the uh, clear delivery mm-hmm. of the book. It's clear and, you know, business made simple. The, the delivery is simple too. And it's easy to understand, easy to digest. And I think that, um, there's just a lot of value in adding this to the curriculum for college students. Even some business high school students, I think, could learn a lot. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm a little upset. I, I went and spent a lot of time <laughs> and a fair amount of money uh, getting an MBA. You Not know, a little bit of money. Right? Yeah. So, and a lot of work, right? Right. And, and this is so, so much of what you needed to know without overcomplicating the world. You don't right. have to be, t- be able to talk in some foreign language of business right? to be able to understand business. Yeah, I agree. So great book. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I think it's for a wide range of people again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Let's see. Backable. Yeah. This by, is a good one. Yeah. By Sunil Gupta. Mm-hmm. I I re-listened to the book over the weekend, and <laughs> I'm convinced that I should re-listen to all of the books. I just got so much out of it. I don't know if it was because it was this particular book, but, um, and, you know, certainly the industry that I'm in dealing with a, a number of startups and small business owners on a day-to-day basis, um, it, it just was so inspiring. So Backable by Sunil Gupta. Um in his book, Sunil explains that the key to success is not talent, connections, or ideas, but the ability to persuade people to take a chance on your potential. I'm really looking forward to talking about this with you and dissecting it a little bit, uh, in particular because of your role as an investor. You're able to listen to a lot of individuals pitch their companies, their ideas. They're looking for backing. Mm-hmm. So, well, what do you think one of the things I mean, I love the book, right? I mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't recommend it anymore. Um, it's it's great. It's great for a lot of people. We look at it in you know backable. It's really written for people who are maybe maybe it's written for people who are looking for venture capital type funding funding for their business ideas. But it again. 
it can be thought of in a much broader way, just like unreasonable hospitality can be thought of far beyond the hospitality industry, which right. is part of the point of the book. But um, this can be thought of far beyond absolutely startups and, yeah. and venture capital. This is how do you get somebody to go along with you on a journey? How do you right. get somebody to believe in your idea? One of the things, you know, you asked about um, how did uh, the, your perception of a book change as you went through it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this one, you know, you kind of come to these people that seem backable. And, you know, you think of Steve Jobs and Apple for one. You know, there's almost this mythical quality to these people that seem like they were just naturally backable people. Right. And certainly there are people who are just always compelling. But I think they this book, you know, I thought would be about what makes somebody backable, you know, and you talk about Steve Jobs for 300 pages. Yeah, right. Um, people like him. But this gives you concrete steps to becoming more backable. What can I do to become more backable? Right. One little secret in all of it is that it takes a lot of work. Right. Right. So, you know, the the one thing, you know, we talk about Apple and Steve Jobs and the launch of incredibly successful products like the iPhone. How many times do you think Steve Jobs practiced the pitch that he was going to give to launch the iPhone? You know, probably a lot of times. Right. It wasn't right. something that he just got up on stage and naturally, you know, it naturally flew out of his mouth. Right. He talks about the idea of the throwaway work. Yeah. It takes years of work and all work is is profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think about making a, a film. I mean, we, we watch it happen here at WorkSmart with... with oh, our Black Mountain Visuals. Yeah. Yeah. Working on their projects. And how much is captured on video? And then how much... I mean, it's... There's a reason we call it the cutting room floor. It right, ends up on the right. cutting room floor. He was just talking about a, a production that he's putting together today that had an hour and a half of of raw video that's going to make a, a three to five minute production. Isn't that crazy? Right? Oh so God. it's all on the cutting room floor. And yet it was all worth it, right? So yeah. it it's the process of capturing something that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, capturing something that was awful and then coaxing the next, you know, the next iteration, you know, take one, take two, take right, three. Right. All right. Let's take this one one more time, right. you know, and, uh, and trying to coax the best out of, you know, the best out of the work that you are putting in. So, you know, each time you, you, you tried, each time you wrote a sentence, each time you acted a scene, it, it was worth something. But a lot of it gets thrown away. So again, hard work, yeah. right? It's all hard work. But the people who are backable know that putting in the effort to do work that may be thrown away is still valuable. And you have to do, and you just have to know that you got to do a lot of that throwaway work right. to get right. the end result that you want. One thing that struck me as I was listening again to the book yesterday was how much crossover there was in the recent workshop that you and Alyssa put on here at WorkSmart. 
And I recall one of the things that Alyssa McDonald of... Um, of Pop PD, right? Yeah. So she said, you know, you're, you're going to give a pitch a hundred times and the first 99 are going to be practice. <laughs> Fantastic. And it's that it's that one, that one that's gonna get you the backing or you know, something to that effect, but just really was just that there's so much work that goes into it. And her encouragement was to keep keep doing it, keep practicing, keep because it's it's all profitable. But what happened in those other ninety-nine times? You got better at pitching, Mm -hmm. you got so natural at pitching that you could actually listen to and react to the other side of the table. Right. You're able to actively learn from the people based that you're talking to based on the questions they ask and make the next pitch better. Right. And apparently, you know, the hundredth time was 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 at least good enough. Yeah. So because she, she did find some venture funding. Good yes, for her. she did. She did. And that was a celebration for sure. Um and one of the points that uh, the author made too, he was talking about uh, a pitch that he made, and um, as a result of uh, an individual who was in the room who sat and listened to the pitch, and the connection was made, and they built a relationship from there. And so it's not just, um, you know, giving that pitch over and over and over again. There, it, it does produce fruit. It may not produce the fruit you want, right? The backing. Right. But it does produce fruit, whether it's, you know, learning new skills or making new connections. Right. And those relationships are the people that you need to, uh, and he mentions this, uh, Gupta mentions this, that these are these are the people you need to bring around you right. to poke holes in your ideas, to say, you know, that delivery was just off. Right. 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 And, or, you know, I don't, believe what you say, right? So I, you're, you're not convincing me. I don't know how you're going to convince an investor. And then the other thing that you bring with those relationships is, in building those relationships, is uh, people who, who can collaborate with you right. and help you build your offering, whatever it is, help you and help you build it out better than you ever could have imagined. So one of the things he talks about is not prescribing exactly, you know, definitely communicating a vision, but not prescribing exactly how it has to be. Right. So that you can be open to ideas along the way from all this practice, from all your collaborators, from all the people that you get to listen to, customers, investors, whatnot, uh, about how your idea can be better. Not being wed to a single way. Right. I like, um, you're just talking about uh, the collaborators. It made me think that between these three books, there is that common thread that when it comes to doing what we're doing, right, building businesses, launching businesses, seeking backing, um, developing leadership skills, the common thread in all of this is that um no man is an island, right? We're not doing any of this alone, whether it's with unreasonable hospitality and he's got a team to support him and uh, business made simple and uh, talking about, you know, your, your team, building up your team around you to 
um, the author of Backable talking about the four C's, is, which is what you referenced. One of them was collaborator, one was coach, one was cheerleader, and one was cheddar. Is The cheddar is the person who deliberately pokes the holes in your ideas and your theories. And that particular person is the one that's going to ask the tough questions so that, um, you know, we're not... Uh, hearing those questions for the first time when we're standing in front of potential investors. Right. So I thought that was interesting. At first, I was like, Cheddar, what is he talking about? And then as he explained it, it made sense. But um, so, you know, we need those, um, that community around us to be able to support us, to be able to encourage us. You talked a little bit about building a business is hard. It's challenging. And, you know, in this book, one of the things that stood out to me yesterday when I was listening is he said, you know, you're going to need that person, that that coach and that cheerleader around you because when the going gets tough, it gets real tough. It gets kind of throw in the towel tough. And sometimes the only thing that's preventing you from doing that is is your cheerleader that's making you feel confident enough to get in the room or your coach um, who is, you know, there to hear your ideas and help you develop your ideas out. So, yeah, well, and related to that, one of the things that, that Gupta says we need to take stock of early on in, in, in the, in the uh, business building process is what's our own emotional runway he right. calls it because this is going to be hard and you better have a long runway right so. right how do you keep running with a new idea yeah. so i mean i love i love this book you know one one of the you know things that he left me with one was just just inspired i you know by the time the right. book was done i was ready to you know go take on the world right but um he 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 talks about at the very end, he talks about the game of now right. and he talks about taking, you know, taking the bull by, by the horns, talk, talks about just doing it. Right. You know, our biggest enemy is the words that we say to ourselves all too often. I'm not ready. Right. Yeah. And maybe you aren't ready, but get out there and go do it and learn along the way to be ready. So that, I just thought those were some, inspiring words that we can go out there and do it. We don't have to be Will Gadara perfect. Right. We need right. the people around us to help us be perfect and learn more. Um, but I'm not ready has to turn into go do something. Yeah. It's interesting that you would bring that up. I, I actually wrote down a favorite, favorite portion of this book. Um, and he references a quote from Mahatma Gandhi and he says, now more than ever, we need good people to stop playing the game of someday and start playing the game of now. So like you, you had just referenced that. And he said the craziest ideas, the ones most likely to change the world, are often the hardest to sell. When you get dismissed, there's always another room. Even when our ideas don't reach their intended destinations, they still touch and inspire the people around the world. So I just thought that that, that was interesting. There's, there really is so much valuable information in this book that I could spend a lot of time unpacking. And I'm sure that, you know, over the coming days, uh, it will spur more conversation for us here at Work Smart. But 
Um, I think that that's a great overview of all three of these books, and I would love to invite our listeners to read them. And uh, boy, it, it sure would be fun to have some in-person talks about these. So, you know, if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts or ideas or, you know, some portion of one of these books sparked an idea for you, uh, reach out to us. We would love to hear. Swing by here at WorkSmart or uh, reach out to us at info at WorkSmartGF.com and let us know uh, that you want to come in and just chit chat about the book. Yeah. Really great. We'd love to hear your ideas for sure. Yeah. And then I, you know, I just thought too, in closing, um, you know, that would be my call to individuals in, in the Glens Falls Lake George region is, um, you know, it's, we need good people to stop playing the game of someday and to start playing the game of now. Um, so, you know, I think I'd love to talk more about that when we pick up, uh, our conversation on a podcast about the Grove Venture Lab and, uh, maybe just explore that idea a bit. Yeah. Well, you've got me all fired up, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. Well, thanks so much for, uh, being here today and sure. for being willing to, uh, dissect these books. Thank I think you. that we took a lot more time than we intended and, uh, but I do appreciate our listeners. Maybe, maybe some of them will end up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll be there, but, um, any, at any rate, thanks listeners for joining us and, uh, listen, we hope to see you here next time just off Glen. Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded at WorkSmart Coworking and Meeting Space in downtown Glens Falls and produced by Black Mountain Visuals. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Join us again next time. We'll meet just off Glen.